what's up everybody how's it going on in on in or on whichever preposition you prefer in internet wrestling community land and all over the beautiful internet it is me it is me the big old cbc steve castlanovo coming at you with another fine edition a jam-packed wrestling edition not wrestling news per se but news but edition of the heel and face podcast a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by heel turn wrestling and let me tell you it's not just dumb old news this week oh no no because the news actually happened in the ring this week and i'm really glad and stoked to talk about it with you. And of course, if you're watching me live, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening to what I have to say and my takes on the world of professional wrestling. And even if you don't like what I have to say, you should comment below. So <clears throat> I'm never going to not encourage you to comment below, like the page, share it. You do you. You do the thing that you do and do it so well, and just get the word out about the page, right? Because I would really appreciate that if you did. Um, you know, I'm really starting to get jazzed about all of the uh, wrestling podcasts that are out there. Um, you know, many of them, not going to lie, are very good, even though they're not associated with heel turn wrestling, or at least not associated right now with heel turn wrestling, or the heel face podcast, but there's a lot of great guys and gals out there doing their thing, talking about the best sport in the world. And I'm just so happy to be part of that community. That community is growing. We are liking each other's uh, posts and we're following each other. And I catch this podcast and that podcast and I'll go on YouTube and I'll, I'll listen to a little bit of this, a little bit of that um, shouting out, uh, not just, uh, you know, Logan and Travis and, uh, Jason McCarthy on to the turnbuckle, not just shouting out uh, our man, Billy Alexander, but, you know, we're just full of love today. I don't know if it's because Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I don't know if I'm just feeling really warm and cozy in this sweater, but I want to shout out to a lot of the other podcasts uh, out there as well. Not just me doing it, but you've got uh, the Choke Slam Wrestling Report. You've got Clark Street Wrestling. Um, you got uh, the boys at uh, Front Face Lock, hilarious. You've got a lot of lot of great guys and gals. Let's not forget about a youngster in England who does her little uh, video blogs on YouTube, Eleanor. She mostly talks about WWE, and she's really passionate about it. And, you know, hey, uh, there's a lot of good pro wrestling podcasts out there. Uh, so, you know, when you're done listening to mine, when you're done listening live to me, you can go and check somebody else out. And I strongly suggest you do so. I'm just feeling the love for some reason and I'm doing it right here. And so shout out to all those guys. And if I didn't mention you, then please don't be mad. And maybe uh, we can make it up by hooking up and uh, maybe chatting on everybody else's podcast because that's what we do. <clears throat> By the way, you can find everybody that I mentioned, including myself, on your favorite social media podcast streaming services. So all you need to do is just look for Heal and Face podcast 
on all the social medias, Daddy, not just Facebook, not just Twitter. You can find me on Minds, on Locals. You can find me on Rumble. You can find me a ton of different places around uh, the web. And I just want to make myself, you know, accessible. I want to make my show something that everyone can relate to. I make it for the people, Daddy. And that's why I, I want to like branch out on a lot of different social media services. So you can look there. You can look on any platform, any social media website you want to. Or if you're the kind of person like me who likes to listen to uh, podcasts and audiobooks and music driving back and forth from the real gimmick, you can definitely download or listen to this podcast, the audio version on all your favorite podcast platform so wherever you get me you're gonna get me and you know you want to and you know you love it and it makes you feel good so speaking of feeling good you know let's just get right at it let's just get to the point i'm gonna do the first review i'm gonna take a quick break fly through uh some of the other things that happened in uh, the other uh, i don't know what you would call them uh major minor major minor major promotions uh some of the top tier promotions uh not wwe or aew and then we will end this session with the review of the royal rumble and why most of uh the uh, trolls on the internet are incorrect and i am right so let's just get right to the point shall we and let's just get to um a pay-per-view that was well worth me paying for it. I'm not traditionally a fan of this promotion. There's a lot of problems and, you know, I don't have to reiterate uh, my feelings and thoughts. You guys are here, so you guys know how I feel about deathmatch wrestling in general. So I don't need to reiterate it, but this was a really good show. And, uh, I watched the world on GCW. So as I was closing the podcast last week, I sat down and I watched this and I was not disappointed. It was uh, overall, it was a very good podcast or not podcast. I'm sorry. Well, overall, it was a very good pay-per-view and I know it had some problems, but Overall, I dug it. So let's get through some of the uh, some of what happened, shall we? Um, I didn't watch the opening match, uh, so I have no idea what's going on. And I can tell you who won, but I really didn't catch it because I was doing something late, and I don't really um, don't really know. Uh, what the what the opening match was so i just wasn't there for it so i'm not going to comment on it other than telling you that the paps blue ribbon kickoff battle royal winner was big vin and he eliminated charles mason and that grim reefer defeated alex zane dante leon shane mercer jack cartwheel and ninja mac in the scramble match Again, I don't have any information other than Alex Zane is recently released by WWE and Shane Mercer is a favorite uh, around these parts in the Midwest and he gets a lot of attention, uh, inter uh, not just internationally, but uh, nationally as well. So 
That's all I can say about that. I also missed the grab the brass ring match between uh, AJ Gray, PCO, Alex Colon, G. Raver, Tony Depp, and Jimmy Lloyd, and Jordan Oliver. So I can go back and watch it because I have this pay-per-view bought on Fight TV, so I can go back and watch it if I really feel like I want to. Um, but again, can't comment on something that I didn't really see. Now this one, I caught uh, the next match was uh, Team Bandito with Bandito, ASF, and Laredo Kid versus Team Gringo uh, with Gringo Loco, Arias, and Demonic Flamita. And uh, I was very impressed by this match in general. Of course, this match was under Lucha Libre rules. There's guys like Gringo and Ares and uh, Bandito and Flamita who are, and Laredo Kid, honestly, who have been floating around the different indies. Um, so this was kind of fun to see them all together. I know Gringo Loco has been around for like 10, 15 years. And uh, Ares, uh, who showed up again later on in his other promotion, MLW. We'll talk about that during the break. Um, tell you a fun match. And I was just awed by the talent that was on display. And at the end, Team Gringo won. And they won by pinfall. So there was that. I saw this one. Blake Christian defeated Leo Rush. Uh... I'm glad that Blake Christian is getting like uh, back into the uh, indie scene and getting the second look and uh, that uh, being in uh, WWE for the short time didn't really kill him, kill his character, kill his vibe. So I'm glad to see that uh, he's back. And then Leo Rush, um, again, just Leo Rush. I uh, don't know if he just wants to break some kind of record for getting hired and fired by multiple independent wrestling organizations, but um, he, he seems to be sticking around with uh, MLW, GCW, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it was a pretty okay match. A lot of spots, a lot of the kind of stuff that, you know, is great on the indies, but doesn't work. Um uh, in in live action in in, in the upper um, uh, upper levels, probably this is going to be the, uh, the the spots for them. They're probably going to be uh, indie darlings for the rest of their lives, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, maybe Blake Christian can find his home and his niche, going to different promotions and doing all this kind of amazing stuff. But uh, as far as Leo Rush. Uh, you know, he's burnt too many bridges and I don't think he's going to, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if he's going to ever achieve any superstardom again in any major promotions. This, by the way, was also um, a last minute replacement because John Gresham couldn't make it. This was originally supposed to be the uh, a match for the Ring of Honor Championship and for some reason, Gresham just couldn't make it in because of traveling issues, I'm sure, because of weather issues. So Leo Rush was there, and they gave a, you know, a good match. In the end, Christian hit Leo Rush with a big old Flosberry, Flosberry, Fosberry flop and gave him a tombstone power driver on the floor. That is what it is. Rolled Leo Rush back inside and, and gave him a 450 stomp. 
So Christian went over on Rush. I don't think uh, Christian would have won had he wrestled Jonathan Gresham, but it would probably have been a pretty amazing match nonetheless. Next one I was looking forward to, and this, ladies and gentlemen, if it's not MJF, or for that fact of the matter, Roman Reigns, this featured probably the best heel in professional wrestling right now. This was the uh, match between Matt Cardona and Joey Janela. Matt Cardona being the biggest heel in professional wrestling right now. Um, first of all, he declares himself the greatest professional wrestler from Long Island. Uh, even beating out Mick Foley. And he had been trolling Mick. And he and Mick had been going at it apparently back and forth on social media for a minute. Uh, enough for... Super nerd Matt Cardona, who collects a lot of wrestling memorabilia, to come out with uh, a Mick Foley flannel tee, but on the back, uh, it read F Mick Foley. Uh, he also came out to the Sandman's music, came out to the ring with a kendo stick and uh, spit a beer in a fan's face. This guy is absolutely killing it as a heel right now. He can't be stopped. It's just Matt Cardona's world, and we're living in it. And I cannot say that I was not looking forward to Cardona beating the living bejesus out of Joey Janela. As you know, as you guys know, he's my least favorite uh, indie wrestler. Just I don't get him. Uh, I'm not a fan necessarily. Uh, probably not the best wrestler out there. Let's be real. Guy who probably shouldn't be in a wrestling ring, honestly. Uh, although he was prepared for this match because he looked like he actually lost some weight. So you know somebody's serious about um, what they're doing and trying to uh, put a um, serious face on when you know that they lost weight. So um he actually kind of looked like a professional wrestler. Well, uh, we also got the vignette beforehand of the doctored photos of Joey Janela and uh, Chelsea Green. Matt Cardona's recently, recently betrothed wife gallivanting poolside and he promised that he would rip Joey Janela's head off um, said that basically Joey Janela is a trash. He was, ne he was a never was. Uh, and that Matt Cardona is going to bring respectability to GCW. The king of the death matches uh, came out um, firing at Joey Janela. And there was a mini swerve. It looked like in the middle of the match that uh, Chelsea Green, in fact, was going to turn on Matt Cardona. And she did by giving him the Ric Flair uppercut, which uh, completely caught Janela off guard for a moment before she was able to set him up uh, by crotching him on the top rope. And then, of course, Matt Cardona gets up laughing and pulls a cup out of his trunks, which you would think more wrestlers would wrestle with cups, but I don't know. I'm not a pro wrestler, so what would I know? So then it was just a complete mess after that. It was a typical 
indie cluster of randomness that happened. Matt Cardona's personal lawyer, um, smart Mark Sterling, came down and uh, basically said that Joey Janela had a cease and desist against using the internet championship against Cardona because of the contract that was signed. Uh, when Janela actually got up and tried to waffle Cardona with it, that grinded the match to a complete halt. So instead, of course, the heel manager tries it on the heel. And when you know it, Matt Cardona got knocked uh, silly by it. Then, of course, why not? Swoggle appears underneath the ring. But this giant dude, he he looked like you 600 pounds. I don't know if you guys. And it was said by multiple people that GCW is trying so hard to be ECW. It's not even funny. I mean, this guy looked like Big Sal. Remember Big Sal Graziano or whatever? Uh, the dude who was like 600 pounds and he's just a mass. He's just like a, he's, he looked like an overstuffed sausage, just a big flabby, just, he was just tall and fat. I mean, he really wasn't, didn't even look strong, just tall and fat. Well, this guy looked just as tall and even fatter. Like, like muscles were straining to be a part of this guy's body. Like, you couldn't, like, you couldn't find one. It was just all fat. And I don't know who was named is Sam Stackhouse, I guess. And you got some of you on the internet love him, I guess, I suppose. And, of course, he uh, squashed uh, uh, Swoggle in the middle. Uh, this guy attempted a moonsault, which, you know, again, normal people wouldn't do it. But, you know, hey, it's GCW, so go for it. Um, Marco Stunt even came in because uh, the world needs more wrestlers under three feet tall to come in. Um, so I guess they found someone for Swoggle to fight, someone Swoggle's height to fight. You know, pick on someone your own size, Swoggle. You just barely did with Marco Stunt. And the two went after each other. Um, and Chelsea Green gets involved. Uh, she even put... Um, uh, Marco stunt in the uh, Canadian destroyer and she can cause she's Canadian. Janela then returned the favor, putting her in a pile driver. And then that's when random bullshit go. Sorry. I don't like cussing on my podcast, but I do let for one swear per podcast. And I think that was it. Just like moon Knight throwing everything out there outruns a relatively good-sized wrestler in all black with a black helmet on. No, it wasn't Jeff Jarrett this time. Shocking to no one, it was Brian Myers who came in and helped uh, Matt Cardona hit radio silence through a door and knocked out Joey Janela and got the victory. So not only was that happening, not only was that a thing, but as the heels were celebrating, you know, if Cardona wins, we riot. There was that uh, banner hanging out there. As the fans were throwing things this time, not pizza cutters, outruns someone who was there for the Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame ceremony that GCW had previously. Inducting his friend Jerry Lynn was two-time WWE Hall of Famer, X-Pac, the one, two, three kid, the lightning kid, whatever you want to call him. Sean Waltman came to the rescue of fellow Jerseyan Joey Janela 
and cleared the ring, and he and Joey Janelle did a DX chop at the end. Eh, uh, everything was great until, you know, you see the cluster smash in the middle. I know, I know, I know. I get it. I was there for ECW. I was there when all this stuff would happen. I was there when the lights would turn off and turn on again. I get it. I'm just aging out of all of this nonsense, and it just happened. So um, now Bright Spot, going right in, after all this was cleared out, the old Manser, Mance Warner, made his way back. And I do like this guy. I'm not going to lie. I do like this guy. And uh, he was injured. He came back to GCW because he was let out of other contracts. And uh, he wanted to talk to the crowd about when he'd be back, but he was interrupted by the silver tooth Satan himself, Atticus Coger. And I feel like this is really funny because I did mention that uh, Cougar did not Cougar, sorry, Coger did not have an opponent for GCW, and he was very concerned uh, why. Well, he came in. And uh, he basically, you know, uh, again, asserted that he built GCW. This was his place. And uh, how dare they um, disrespect him. And as this was happening, the rest of 440 came out. The Bev, uh, Gregory Irons, and I forget the other person uh, came out. But the other half of the second year crew, Matthew Justice, who's also from Ohio, came out. And made the save. But of course, the lights went out. And who should appear but Sabu and Bill Alfonso. So Sabu starts hucking chairs. I believe Gregory Irons was the victim of the uh, Sabu's Arabian press through the table. One, two, three, gone. And the baby faces clear the ring for a possible confrontation in the future. Uh, next match was really uh, interesting. I mean, it was okay. It had some problems in it as far as uh, getting working together, getting to know your uh, other wrestler. Uh, but this was kind of a dream match for Ali Catch. So for those of us who don't really follow GCW all that well, myself included because I had to get educated a little bit. So Ali Catch uh, was at some point Ali Catch. And uh, she was kind of going on with a kind of a, you know, kind of, I won't, don't want to say ditzy, but kind of like the uh, very girly alley cat gimmick thing. She'd wear um, cat gear to the ring, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of fun loving, uh, yeah, kind of character. But I guess it really wasn't getting her anywhere. So she's morphing out of being alley cat and kind of becoming alley catch, which is, Again, interesting uh, character development. So, like to see where this goes. And the fact that she's pretty good um, doesn't hurt either. She was looking for someone to kind of like move her up the card, looking for someone that she could challenge her to make her a better wrestler, to kind of perpetuate this ongoing transformation. And at the end of the promo, she looked up and saw a giant graffiti name of Soho actually like in New York that was the big hint that Ruby Soho was going to be her opponent tonight or that night again good back and forth stuff um I hated to say it but I'm starting to think that the wheels are falling off of Ruby Soho and some of her flaws in her game like not being very crisp not being very strong 
uh, as a wrestler to perform a lot of the moves that she wanted to perform. Uh, for example, she wanted to uh, perform um, a move and, and I think it was the right kick, but it was off the second rope. She had to uh, get the assist from the rope because, you know, Alley Cat is the larger opponent. She gave her the riot kick for the win. The fans weren't happy. They booed at the end. They booed the end of the match. They really thought Alley Catch would win. Uh, riot, riot said she was sorry and kind of hugged and left. So it was a good competitive match. It was just there's definitely flaws in Ruby Soho's game. And if she could be a lot more crisp and a lot closer when she's fighting, um, it looks like a lot of the stuff isn't really connecting. A lot of her kicks and strikes aren't really connecting. And, um, I mean, yeah, she did use the rope to assist her with the, the riot kick. You know, maybe I'm being hypercritical, but I guess that's okay. Uh, this on, next match was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, a lot better than I predicted it was going to be. Uh, it was uh, the self-proclaimed last outlaw, Jeff Jarrett, invading GCW to fight everyone's favorite wrestler in GCW Effie. And um, this was a mugging. This was a street fight until the end. Uh, heel indie Jeff Jarrett is an absolute maniac. Like, I don't know where he does this. I it's, I guess he's smart about it, but I don't know where he does it. But he, he pretends it's 80s New Japan and he's Hulk Hogan. He just goes everywhere and... I don't know if it's because some of these old school guys think that's what the the, the new crowd wants. Um, I don't know if this is disdain from some of the older guys that they're just like, you know, this isn't wrestling. This is bull crap for the most part. So I'm, so I'm going to let it look like crap. But Jeff Jarrett was enough of a professional to make this look like a really good match. Um, uh, uh, Jarrett took out the leather belt and just whipped him around. Of course, the crowd chanting, Daddy likes it, which kind of, you know, again, GCW, go with the flow. Um, uh, Jeff Jarrett was about ready to use a chair on Effie. As a matter of fact, uh, he uh, Jarrett whacked the referee with the belt a couple of times. Anything goes, there's no disqualification, street fight. So I guess uh, that's the thing to do. Um Effie came back uh, with the belt on his own, just whacking Jeff Jarrett with it, using other uh, instruments around the ring on Jarrett, even hit Jarrett with a low blow. But in the end, Double J came back with the chair shot um, and then put Effie in the stroke while wearing the guitar. I thought that was kind of dangerous, but it didn't look like it hurt. Uh, it did looked worse than it actually was, and Effie came up short, unfortunately. So again, not not a bad match, but it was better than I expected. And um, hey, I mean, Jarrett's not there to just earn a paycheck; like he's there to to make it look good, and um, it did. So, getting more exposure. Next, I thought the. Tag team match was going to go, and then the uh, World Heavyweight Championship match, but apparently that was not the case. They put the GCW World Championship match uh, 
next with uh, Moxley versus Homicide. People were mixed, you know, because basically it was Homicide's, uh, you know, backyard there at the Hammerstein Ballroom. A lot of support for Homicide and then some chance for Moxley. Uh, of course, you know, it's the Hammerstein Ballroom, so you got to brawl everywhere, especially if it's Moxley. Um, Moxley hits Homicide with the uh, underhook DDT. Uh, Moxley tried to choke him out. Moxley even knocked a tooth out of Homicide's face. But Homicide got to the ropes. Homicide showed a lot of heart, a lot of character in, in kicking out and uh, getting back up. I want to say that there was like a pile driver or something to the floor, but I can't remember offhand. And uh, Homicide just uh, fired back. But in the end, Moxley put Homicide in the paradigm shift on a pile of steel chairs. Homicide kicks out. Um, then Moxley put Homicide into the paradigm shift on a uh, steel chair that was set up inside the ring, and then that was it. Um, yeah, it was it was okay, you know. It's giving the older guy the rub, giving the older guy the hey, you know, you could you you could say that you fought for the GCW Heavyweight Belt. Um, maybe if this were 10, 15 years ago. Uh, homicide may have won, but they want to keep the belt on Moxley and they want to make the company look like uh, it's important because, hey, we've got a guy who's on national TV holding the belt. So um, that was that was it for that. Uh, the biggest uh, upset. And I don't want to say disappointment because, again, I don't want to disparage those in. Uh, those who, who fought him again. I don't watch GCW all that much. I did enjoy the show. It was worth it. But um, this one was kind of uh, shocking, seeing as though all signs pointed to FTR to being the mystery opponent. But the GCW tag champions, the Briscoes, took on the team of Matt Tremont and MDK all day, Nick Gage. Uh, that was, um, that was a little bit of a shock again, because he had said earlier that he was not going to be present at the show and he was, he didn't know why he was going to be there. So of course he played it all stupid. He played it off like, Oh, I don't know. I might be there. I might not be there. Who knows? Um, you know, the match itself was pretty intense, hard hitting. Um, I don't know if Matt Tremont does this spot normally because apparently he survived, but there was at one point where he came off. The uh, apron, he got kicked by a uh, chicken and uh, he, he fell and just whacked his face right on the ring apron as he fell outside. Again, I don't know if that's a spot that does or not. I'm assuming that he is. It was, but it just it just looked bad. It looked like he was knocked out completely. Um, the, the Briscoes uh, set up Gage on some doors. Mark drove uh, Matt Tremont through one. The uh, the Briscoe brothers were all over. They set up the chairs. Um, they set up the door on top of the chairs. They, uh, you know, did uh, good old boy stuff. Uh, Dem boys was at work. And I thought they were going to come up with the victory. Jay came off with the froggy bow. Um, uh, but there was a quick count. 
and it was over. And I think even a lot of the crowd in JCW was shocked at this one because I was. I went, what? It's over? Um, Nick Gage uh, hit uh, Mark uh, with a pile driver, put him through the door with a pile driver, and got the win. And I don't want to say quick count, quick count, but I, the count was fast enough where it was legit, but it was faster than it was usual. And I think they just wanted shock value out of it. I think they just wanted to get the belts off of uh, uh, Mark and Jay, and they wanted to just go with it. So, um, I mean, it was it was okay. It's, it's nothing to be mad at. It is a little bit of a fan service, it looked like. Uh, but even the fans were shocked that this happened. And uh, they just rolled with it. And now your new GCW Tag Team Champions are Matt Tremont and Nick Gage. So, there you go. Um, it made sense to switch the belts. Uh, if you don't have any plans for Ring of Honor going forward, it frees the Briscoes up to go to AEW. It frees the Briscoes up to do uh, anything else before the hopeful relaunch of Ring of Honor in a couple of months. So we'll see what happens. Um, not mad at it at all. It, it, it worked for what it was. Not every match has to be an 18-20 minute match with falls and finishes and all that. Now, I, was, I will say that I didn't think that it would be uh, those two gentlemen that would have won the belts, you know, again, you could have put FDR in that uh, position. You could have put a new, a number of uh, tag teams together uh, for that position, but it's for this crowd. You know, those two guys are going to stick around their favorites at GCW. Everybody loves them. And so that is what that is. And just have to overall say that uh, GCW pay-per-view was pretty good. It was worth it. I'm going to go back. And I'm going to watch the couple matches beforehand that I missed uh, at the beginning. Um, and uh, I was really uh, pleased and excited uh, to, to see this, especially the Matt Cardona match. There were some things I could have done without, but overall I would say maybe C, C+. So for a guy who doesn't really watch a whole lot of death matches and doesn't really know about GCW, at least this uh, pay-per-view was worth it. And I uh, got the chance to see it. So uh, I'm glad it was a little happy birthday present to me. All right. So, well, that certainly went longer than I expected. Um, I wasn't expecting to go that in depth talking about GCW. And I don't know when the next time I will. So I guess maybe I just went ahead and just kind of powered through. So uh, that took almost the entire time uh, that we have together. So I guess here's what I'll do. I'll go ahead and I will take a very brief little intermission, so to speak, a little brief break, come back, and I will do a even briefer recap of MLW and NWA, what I saw this week. And then we will talk about the Royal Rumble. So please stick around. You are watching the Heel and Face podcast on Heel Turn Wrestling. Be back in a few. All right, everybody. It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, back with you on another edition of the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Let me say, let me tell you, um, I am really proud of the work that we do here. I know there's been a little bit of a lull. I know things have been going crazy, especially around the world with the lockdowns and things. And I know that you guys um, 
have been faithful with us with all of the uh, new restrictions being put on social media and uh, whatnot. I'm really glad that you could uh, still stick with us through all that. So please, we beg you, like, subscribe, share. Not only like, subscribe, notify, share this podcast, the Heal and Face podcast, but please do what the crawl says. Go to HT Wrestling 316. That's HT Wrestling 316. Go to Heel Turn Wrestling and you can make sure that you can be notified when we post a, a dank meme, when we post uh, some information about another promotion, uh, when we gather news around the independent circuit, or when we have one of our great podcasts like this one, like Billy Alexander Franchise Take 5, and like To the Turnbuckle, and hopefully more since the uh, if the year progresses. We'll see what happens, but we just want you guys to let your friends know about the uh, biggest, most global, most worldwide, fan-oriented, fan-driven sports site on Facebook and maybe even the world. So get on there and get a hold of us. So please go to Facebook and go to HT Wrestling 316. That's HT Wrestling 316 for Heel Turn Wrestling. Okay, well, uh, why not? Let's go and let's get to it. Let's catch up on the NWA and uh, the... Uh, MLW promotions before we get into the Royal Rumble and we can uh, let's go let's go NWA first because it's kind of shorter um, not much to do I know they have a uh, premiere live event coming soon um, there's a lot of a uh, big Payoffs coming from what's happening on NWA Power Surge and the new show NWA USA. And the most recent results of NWA Power were Rodney Mack, who is uh, coming back. I think he's getting a final uh, final run in, and he's doing it with the NWA. What better place to do it than NWA? Uh, defeats a young guy, uh, David Graves. Uh, both men um, have a dog gimmick. Uh, but the old dog beat the new dog, so to speak. Uh, although uh, Devin Graves, uh, very quick and very mobile for a big man. Um, looking, uh, you know, along the lines of Bam Bam Bigelow, along the lines of other great big men who've been in the NWA in the past. Then there was another uh, qualifying match for uh, to move to advance into the NWA Junior Heavyweight Tournament. Austin Aries defeating Rad Titus. Uh, if you've seen one Austin Aries match, you've seen them all. If you've seen one Rat Titus match, you've seen them all. So this is nothing more than to uh, throw a favor to Ring of Honor. They did mention uh, that they do partner with Ring of Honor quite a bit. The NWA does. But Austin Aries gets the win. And I wonder if he's going to get to the end of this tournament and then maybe he's facing Darius Lockhart or uh, or Kerry uh, Morton or someone like that. And then when he loses, maybe he'll just no-sell the entire loss and just walk away. I wonder uh, if he'll get the opportunity to do that because that's fun when he always does that. Wins a belt or doesn't win a belt and then just completely craps on everything. Um. This was a surprising match. I think uh, 
Kylie Ray versus Maddie. This was good. Very competitive, very athletic match. Uh, Maddie Rankowski is really good. She's going by Maddie, I guess, right now. And Kylie Ray is Smiley Kylie. She, of course, was on last week um, trying to get involved with the uh, tag team division, trying to get involved with the Hex, the current NWA Women's Tag Champions. And Maddie wrestled a heel, which was a little shocking. And even Velvet Sky was put off a little bit by it when she was commentating on the match. Um, I'm really becoming a fan of Maddie Rankowski. I think she's uh, got a lot. Uh, she's just young, and she gets uh, more experience. She'll get better, and she'll be uh, one of the better female wrestlers out there. Right now, though, Kylie Ray is where it's at. Uh, back healthy, doing her thing, and got the victory. And uh, speaking of big men in the uh, NWA, here's two big men that we could really kind of do without the fixers. Poor Jay Bradley, how the mighty have fallen. He was kind of an internet and indie darling to, you know, a great big man out of Chicago, just like the rest, you know, out of the same second city class that CM Punk, Samoa Joe, uh, Ace Darling, all those guys, he was with them too. And now he's just like doing goofy comedy big man crap, like talking about how much Wrecking Ball Ligurski loves chicken and waffles randomly. And uh, and these just these guys just, I don't know, they're just two big goofy guys. They have no chemistry whatsoever. Um, Wrecking Ball Ligurski looked really bad against George South. And uh, even though George South is old as dirt, you know, still looked pretty bad. Like he wasn't even barely hitting them. Uh, it was not good. And they just kind of, a uh, big man their way through this match, defeating Fable and Jake and Miguel Robles. Nothing to write home about. It was just a lot more of uh, furthering storylines and getting you ready and, of course, uh, advancing the NWA uh, Junior Heavyweight Tournament. So we could just quickly shift over to NWA USA, the new show that's on Fight or and uh, in YouTube. Um, this one was a little better. Um, oh, by the way, for, before I forget, on uh, NWA Power, uh, there was an interview segment uh, with uh, Natalia Markova, and she did the best she could with the material she was given, but just kind of you know, stumbled through a promo, which she's being... Uh, managed now by Raven, who's inserted himself in the NWA because what about me? What about Raven? And now uh, she is being mentored by Raven. Raven insinuated himself, uh, talked about how uh, Tim Story should not be anywhere involved in wrestling. He was a never was. Uh, he just got in, uh, you know, because he was looking, he was bored on the weekends and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, Tim, you know, just kind of crapping on Tim Tim Storm, who is uh, being uh, uh, taking more of a uh, managerial role, so to speak, in NWA, kind of an upper management thing. But uh, you know, it's going to be inevitable. They're both going to get in the ring together, and uh, now that Tim Storm is kind of uh, backing Kenzie Page as far as standing up for her, as she was attacked last week by Markova. Uh, so that might be an interesting little feud. And, of course, Raven inserting himself uh, even raises the stakes a little higher. Strictly Business uh, came out. They 
made comments that they are better off now without uh, Nick Aldis. How Nick Aldis was basically sucking all of the oxygen out of the room when they were there and never let them speak and never let them be them. So they're just going to continue with strictly business. And Camille even mentioned the fact that how things are a lot lighter now that Nick, Nick Aldis isn't uh, the one around uh, weighing us all down. Next match was another match for in the uh, NWA uh, Junior Heavyweight Tournament. We saw Darius Lockhart uh, defeat Sal Renaro, who Sal has gone off the deep end, ladies and gentlemen. 20 years of being in the NWA, 20 years of being in ECW, 20 years of being in Ring of Honor, 20 years of being one of the best independent wrestlers, juniors, has unfortunately finally got to his head, and he has gone off the deep end. Uh, he did manage to wrestle a very good match with Darius Lockhart, who, by the way, is a star. Darius Lockhart's got it all. I mean, he can do all the flippy-doos, and he can do all that, but he can also mat wrestle. He can chain wrestle. He's got some great moves. Um, he kept uh, Renaro down with an arm bar. Um, he, uh, he's he got the athleticism very quick. Hit Sal with a lot of shots in rapid succession. Um, he... Uh, he was just about to uh, put it away, but um, somehow Sal gets uh, the upper hand, uh, gets the boots, stomps Lockhart in the face, and then uh, just continues to ground and pound. Uh, Renaro continued the offense by taking the boots to Lockhart. Um, Lockhart has a nice little baby face comeback. Um, he uh, ends up uh, ducking a cross body block. Uh, I'm sorry, get crosses. Uh, gets Renaro with a cross body block. Comes back, um, ducks under uh, a couple of clotheslines from Sal Renaro, and then comes from behind and gets the roll up. Uh, Sal tries his own running cross body block, but um. Blockheart rolls him up for the pin. So I like seeing matches that aren't just ending with big finishers. You know, sometimes you have to end a match in a small package. Sometimes you have to end the match with a roll-up, which is kind of what Lockhart did. Austin Aries refuses to pass the torch. He said he's not passing the torch to anybody. He's going to move up to the NW, uh, through the NWA junior ranks, and he doesn't care who it is. And he gave Luke Hawks some props. He says he's big and strong. But he also is not right for this tournament, and Austin Aries is, so there you go. Um, the uh, last match uh, was a reuniting of the British Invasion, as Doug Williams, as uh, Nick Aldis uh, teased last week, uh, brought Doug Williams over to team up, and uh, the British Invasion was back, baby, and they came in and had a, like a very good, hard-hitting match. Uh, they tried to... Uh, Strictly Business tried to work over Doug Williams because, of course, they wanted to test him. But Doug Williams in his mid-50s looks more uh, in shape than half of the locker room, including myself. Uh, so Doug Williams took a lot of punishment, but he also looked very good at delivering. Uh, the announcers put over the British style, which that's where we are in internet uh, wrestling fandom is that we need to be reminded about British style wrestling because it's just completely lost chain wrestling. 
Uh, very good ground game, very good mag game. It's completely lost on anybody in North America, unfortunately. But uh, Doug Williams is there for it. Uh, in the end, after taking a lot of the crap from the heels, uh, Aldis comes in. Um And starts, you know, of course, hulking up, cleaning a house. Comes in, gets met by uh, Strictly Business. Brawling ensues. Old school kind of fisticuffs. They took the match up another level. Near the end of the match, um, the two uh, corner Nick Aldis and get him beat down. So... Uh, Williams grabs Adonis um, and throws him into the sting, uh, the, the steel steps on the outside. Um, Nick uh, blocks the superplex from the top rope where he was perched. Um, Williams hits the chaos theory, and Nick Aldis uh, plants Latimer. Came down with the flying elbow. One, two, three. The British invasion. Wins. That was a nice little win to kind of set up and further the match that's going to happen later on in NWA. The main event for their next uh, premier live event is going to be Nick Aldis versus Tom Latimer. I believe it's no DQ. So that should be pretty hot. Um, NWA cruising along, setting up for what they're going to be doing in the future. And should be pretty exciting, so we'll just continue to keep an eye on the NWA for you and just let you know what's going on uh, in that promotion. Uh, real quick, the other promotion that you uh, that I try to follow pretty seriously is MLW. Um, this was another edition of MLW Azteca, MLW Azteca uh, Episode 4. This time the main event was the uh, AAA Mega Champion El Vikingo. Versus Amiris, uh, Aramis, sorry for mispronouncing his name. So a couple things going on in this episode uh, was, of course, more underground Azteca Lucha action brought to you by, uh, you know, Lucha, um, Azteca Underground and the Crash promotion. But also the saga continues between uh, Hammerstone and the... Uh, demonic ruler of Azteca Underground, Cesar Duran. So we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the first match, Arias versus uh, Extreme uh, Tigre or Extreme Tiger. Um, what's not to love? I, I don't know. I'm starting to really like Arias. I really think that he's good. Um, you know, he's young and still kind of botchy because where he's getting his training and doing the lucha stuff. But some of the offense he comes up with, like the... Um, Came up with like a inverted black hole slam. I I think it was. It was just his pretty good offense. Um, he turned a uh, tabletop uh, throwaway slam, whatever you want to call it, and into uh, a Northern Lights suplex. So that was really nice. And El Tigre is very good too. Uh, let's not take anything away from him, whoever he may be. The Extreme Tiger. Uh, had some nice high-flying moves, uh, you know, 
Uh, I saw a real actual power bomb from Tigre, not power bomb, a uh, power driver from Tigre, because you're allowed to do that in Mexico and you're allowed to do that in any other promotion other than WWE. Um, so the match went back and forth and it was a lot of fun, but Ares had the win at the end uh, with a double stomp. In the back, we see 5150 uh, rolling bones, throwing dice. Uh, 5150 says, ha, I got the head cracker, just like. Uh, you know, when we perform the head cracker, we're going to you know, blah, 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 crack heads uh, when we crack heads. And then Cesar Duran comes by and he says, I need guys who are ready for blood and thunder. If this is how you're preparing for blood and thunder, let's roll. So he joined them in the game uh, of, of dice. And of course, this is a manipulation on Duran's part to try to get as many allies as possible. I'm not so sure that 5150 would have gone along with Cesar Duran if Conan was there. That's another different story, but uh, looks like the uh, the team of fifty one fifty continues to uh, enjoy their time in Mexico. So, like we said, the uh, I I think this was the main event. Although they had the, the second main event, I guess maybe co main event. You, you could say uh, the Triple A Mega Championship match uh, between. Uh, El, El, uh, El Hijo de Vikingo versus uh, Aramis. So, very good match. Um, Vikingo's crazy. Uh, he had this thing where he launched himself onto the top rope without even, like, you know, with, without even grabbing it. And then he launched it to the pole. And then he leapt from a pole and did a splash onto Aramis onto the floor. Um... You know, Aramis is very good as well. Nothing against him, uh, but it wasn't his uh, time. And Vikingo came up uh, with the victory at home. Winner and still uh, mega champion, El Vikingo. By the way, uh, El Vikingo also has an inverted Phoenix Splash. That's pretty, uh, pretty awesome, too. And that's what got him the victory. Opera Cup is still missing. No one uh, has yet to know uh, who has it. Um, Cesar Duran was taking a call, and in walks Alex Kane and the Bomaye Fight Club, who said that uh, Crybaby Calvin uh, still couldn't uh, make it to Mexico because of his legal troubles. But as soon as possible, he can. Uh, he'll be beating him up anytime soon. Uh, Cesar made a deal with. Alex Kane, and he said he needs him uh, to believe in Lucha Libre, and he needs him for a match. So Alex Kane said, I'll do you this favor because I know down the line I'm going to cash in that favor. Main event time. So in Cesar Duran's ongoing uh, hounding of Alex Hammerstone, the MLW heavyweight champion he found a wrestler that he trusted in octagon jr never thought that octagon jr was a heel but you know i guess everybody is for hire and everybody has a price shout out to the million dollar man ted dibiase so this match started off looked like it was going to be clean until octagon jr fist bumped alex hammerstone and then you knew the fix was in um, as, as soon as the bell rang, uh, Octagon Jr. Um, went after 
uh, Hammerstone, put him in a precarious situation, and then went after the injured arm. And like Dallas Page used to say, uh, anytime you have something taped, it becomes an automatic target. So most of the match, Octagon Jr. worked on that left arm. Uh, critical, or not not left, sorry. Uh, oh yeah, the left arm, sorry. Um, critical because uh, it uh, Hammerstone helps him uh, use that left arm to put his opponent in the Nightmare Pendulum. A move which was stolen. Uh, from him, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Hammer gets the advantage um, and tosses Octagon out of the ring, but as soon as he does that, Cesar Durant calls on the Aztec Underground Army, so a swarm of red and white masked Individuals made their way around the ring and, of course, ended up jumping Hammerstone. Um, Hammerstone was able to uh, use his right arm and put Octagon Jr. in kind of like an Empanema waterfall into a face buster. So if you could imagine like a one-arm like spinning backbreaker type deal into a face buster that was uh, that was the put away and then after that of course the the ring is surrounded by masked men uh, off of his own uh, loss in the barrio match uh, Richard Holiday made his way to the ring to help his friend and former or not former and uh, dynasty stablemate Hammerstone fend off the rest of the Lucha Army and that is how uh, the episode ended. Uh, pretty soon, they'll be coming up with uh, Blood and Thunder in Dallas, so watch out for MLW's uh, next pay-per-view event coming as well. Woo! Okay, so you're up to date with three of the mid-level average promotions. And I only say that just because as far as status goes, I'm certainly not talking about production. I'm certainly not talking about ability. I'm certainly not talking about the wrestlers themselves. I'm just talking about the product as a whole, but uh, I'm not in the product as a whole. I'm talking about uh, where they are in people's minds as far as wrestling goes. Clearly, they are more quality than uh, the big two right now, but no one knows about these promotions. They do know about the big two and they especially know about world wrestling entertainment. So without further ado, let's go and let's talk about the big pay-per-view. I'm sorry, premier live event. I got to get used to saying premier live event, the premier live event of the Royal Rumble. Now I'm trying to stall for times. I'm trying to time this out because I don't want the big reveals to happen per se. Uh, but there is my girl, um, Shotzi Blackheart. All right, I'm sorry. I'm getting way too ahead. Uh, let me just say that I know I don't try to uh, induce the ire of the internet wrestling community very often. I know you're the same people that I ask you to watch the show. I know you're the same people that I ask to uh, participate in the show. I know you're the same people that I ask 
to uh, comment below, which I hope you do, or share the show or whatever. So I don't try to get adversarial with you very often, but when I do, um, I don't know, it's meaningful. So if you if, if, if I'm not talking to you, then don't worry about it, uh, which is a, something that I would say to my students in class. You know, if I'm not talking about you, don't worry about it. But if I'm addressing a group of you who have been participating in some silliness, then I'm going to let you know. Let me start off. I was not expecting a whole lot. This was a Saturday Royal Rumble put on a day before because the WWE did not want to compete with the uh, NFL championship games going on currently right now. So by avoiding the NFC championship game, which is about to start, uh, they're avoiding the dreaded ratings, bro. So I don't know. I kind of like Saturday pay-per-views. I think it's a, it's a lot better than having to explain to your boss why you fell asleep at the uh, 8 o'clock meeting on a Sunday. I mean, honestly, we got stuff to do. We got places to go we, we, in the morning. We have work in the morning. Most of us do. So I'm more of a fan than not of Saturday WWE pay-per-views. And yet here we are. So, overall, the Royal Rumble was pretty good. I would say at least a B. A solid B, if not a B-. minus. Yes, there were some problems. Yes, there were some things that I didn't want or I could care less about. But if your cooler match, if the match that's supposed to bring uh, the show uh, you know, down a little bit for people to save their energy for the final match, and it was the It Couple versus the Grit Couple, if that's your closer, then you had a really well-booked pay-per-view. And everything about it, with the exception of a lot of the men's Royal Rumble match, uh, was booked perfectly. I tweeted out, I don't know if you noticed it, but I tweeted out that the only time of the year WWE cares about consistency, continuity, uh, and uh, sensible booking is the Royal Rumble. For some reason. Uh, throughout the year, they can't get it right. But everything that went on in the matches. Uh, happened perfectly, happened how it was supposed to happen. Uh, a, a lot of storylines were, were built and revisited. And not just in the Royal Rumble match itself, but the other matches made a ton of sense. And they worked, and it was continuity, and somebody in the back has got the network or Peacock fired up to look at what happened in the past. So good for WWE to tell compelling, convincing, continuous, sensible storylines. Again, I don't know why they leave it just for the Royal Rumble to do it, but it is what it is, and here we are. So um, so let's talk about uh, the first match. Um, I didn't see if there was a dark. I missed any uh, pre-show matches, so I don't know if there was a pre-show match. There could have been. Maybe I'll go back and watch it. Who knows? But they opened with um, Seth freaking Rollins 
uh, and Roman Reigns for uh, uh, the Universal Championship. And this match was so good psychologically. Um, you know, Seth Rollins came out as the Shield with his flat jacket and wrestled with it on. Uh, I was almost uh, surprised he didn't have the uh, blonde streak growing through his hair just to recreate things. Uh, and he had been leaning heavy into how uh, the Shield built it together, and I was the one that destroyed it. Um, he was the one who leaned into you wouldn't be anywhere near where you were now if I would never have hit you in the back with a chair. Um, you know, they mentioned Mox again. So there you go. Um, I really enjoyed the pace of this match. I really enjoyed just uh, Seth Rollins. I know some of you don't like uh, Joker Seth. Uh, again, character development. Uh, they met, they briefly flirted with the idea of uh, Messiah. Uh, you know when uh, talked about Roman Reigns being in God mode. Uh, but in the end, it was a disqualification because uh, Roman Reigns uh, went overboard. Uh, and um, didn't respond to the five count. So good storytelling. Many of you were not happy with this. Many of you were dissatisfied because some of you say the WWE is boring. WWE is predictable. The WWE does the same match every time. It's always a cluster mess. But then when they give you something original, give you something different, give you another way of ending the match, making both people look strong and not doing anything damaging and giving you the opportunity to want more at a bigger stage like, oh, I don't know, WrestleMania, then you complain about how the WWE booked this crap. So I don't know, internet wrestling fans, what do you want? Do you want the WWE to step out of their cookie-cutter mode, throw you a curve, and set things up beautifully psychologically? Or do you just want Roman Reigns to win? I don't know what you want. Make up your mind. Decide. Um, I thought it was brilliant. They don't use disqualifications enough. They don't use countouts and DQs enough. And it also showed that Roman Reigns is fallible. They showed that Roman Reigns does have a little bit of a bruised ego, a little bit of a psyche. It is gnawing at him that the shield broke up, and it is gnawing at him that he wasn't able to break out of the shield before Seth Rollins did. So again, perfect storytelling in this match. I was very pleased with the ending. It couldn't have gone better, and it also sets up for Reigns and... Uh, Rollins at WrestleMania, even though I can't selfishly uh, agree with that. I still kind of wanted my Rollins versus Owens at WrestleMania uh, in front of a live crowd, but I will get what I get, and I won't throw a fit. Uh, Ronda Rousey comes out of nowhere, wins the Royal Rumble. Um, very much part of the rumors as to who was coming in. 
again, internet wrestling community having issues with how this match was booked, how this match went. I uh, was very pleased. I liked it a lot. There was a lot to like about this match. None. Uh, the only things I didn't like were you could argue that there were some wastes. Uh, if you were going to open up the Forbidden Door, you should open it up further to people that, I don't know, actually can wrestle. Um, uh, Melina with an early exit by Sasha Banks being number two was a little disappointing. Um, I think a lot of people who didn't know that Melina was still wrestling in the NWA and other independents, she kind of picks or chooses where she wants to go, where she wants to work next, which she deserves to because she's a veteran and she knows what she's doing and she'll get paid uh, commensurate to how much people like to see her again. So I'm sure she made a pretty good, uh, pretty good scratch off of her appearance. Would I have liked to have seen her a little longer? Yes, of course. Everybody would have liked to see Melina a little longer, but uh, it was fine for her. She got to do her entrance, even though it's PG and she was censored. You know she got to do her entrance. And Sasha kind of mocked her when she eliminated her. So again, um, would have liked to see a lot more from Melina, but it was what it was, so it was fine. Um, uh, on the flip side, I sure could have done without Kelly Kelly. Um, who, who looks like, uh, Homer shot her in the face with the makeup gun. Um, not looking for, I wasn't looking forward to, uh, the, some of the appearances, you know, of old past, uh, WWE quote unquote superstars or legends or whatever. Um, again, there was a lot of a debate on the internet if Summer Rae was actually a legend, but I'll just let that go. Uh, Michelle McCool, eh, why? Uh, she had apparently been making some comments on the internet that she wanted her uh, her, her daughters to uh, be proud of her, you know, her kids with The Undertaker, to be proud of her and not just talk, but be about action. And, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but in the limited amount uh, that she was in there, she was really good. Um, I guess she's always good, uh, which the idea kind of ran through my head you know, it should behoove you whether or not you are a real WWE superstar that people wanted or just somebody to fill the roster spot or I don't know why. Out of all of the women that they could have picked and they brought back people that really weren't really clamoring for, um, but it was what it was, I think it behooves you to be very good and to have improved. Uh, if you're going to call yourself a WWE superstar or legend and and the WWE's going to invest that time in you, call you a legend, you should be good. Kelly Kelly has not discernibly gotten better in the last 10 years, and because now that she's about 10, 15 years older, um, I don't think she will. Um, just missing and just botchy and uh, out of place and, and still counting her steps, one, two, three, four, five, or whatever, uh, to hit the ropes, could have done without her. Um... Another shocker was Ivy, uh, Ivy, Ivory. Ivory was there. I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see Ivory there. Um, you know, she is kind of looking her age a little bit. Um, but she came back as the right to censor. Now, she could have done so much uh, coming out there with cancel culture, I feel like. And, but she didn't. Uh, the funny part was, uh, as my friend uh, 
said while she was being dumped out. The fact is that she was still cutting a promo while Rhea Ripley threw her out of the ring was hilarious. So good for her. Uh, she deserves uh, everything she gets. An old timer uh, coming around, getting a nice paycheck from the Royal Rumble. You know, they could have had worse. And they did with Kelly Kelly. Um, speaking of worse, uh, Alicia Fox came back. Who cares? really. Uh, the Bella Twins, I'm so not excited about the Bella Twins. I could care less about the Be Bella Twins. Uh, all, now I can totally tell them apart because one of them looks completely deflated and another one still looks like um, you know, she could uh, she could be that uh, lingerie model that she was uh, when they pl plucked the both of them out of obscurity. So I know Bree is the one that is married to Daniel Bryan and leaves the vegan lifestyle because uh her, you know, her, her implants are out and everything. She's all slimmed down. And uh, the other one is, uh, uh, I don't even know her name, Brie. Uh, the other one. Anyway, uh, she was good. You would think that I would take the time to try to remember the other uh, Be uh, Bella twin's name. But I really could care less. So, Nikki Bella, that's it. Nikki Bella, the one that uh, also just had her baby uh, or so. Uh, came in and uh, she looks like she uh, is still kind of trying to be that WWE diva that she once was. Um, uh, Liv Morgan comes out. Nice. Uh, you start to see everybody else. Uh, uh, Queen Zelina eliminated Sasha Banks. So that was kind of cool. Um. Dana Brooke looked pretty good. Uh, I don't. I think she was either injured or sick or kind of both, and she stayed out of the limelight for a couple of months, and then she's worked back in. She's lost a ton of weight, and again, losing weight versus slimming down, I should probably clarify. I think she slimmed down. I think she realizes now that she was just too muscular and too heavy uh, to be working in WWE, and she looks great. By the way, I really do hope she can get the uh, the push that she deserves because she was pretty fantastic last night. If, 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 if there were two people, there were two female wrestlers in the ring who perform the Sasuke backhand spring elbow, uh, and one of them continues to do it well, Dana Brooke, and the other one just continues to be Kelly Kelly. Anyway, um, another person that I could have done without who made their appearance was Cameron. Um, thankfully, she did not try to pin anybody um, on their stomach. Um, but who knows if, I mean, she wasn't in long enough to, uh, do any damage. She wasn't long enough to show if she actually got better as a professional wrestler. But the great thing is, is that this all came as part of the Naomi and Sonya Deville storyline, uh, which again, continuity. So I don't want to be all over the place, uh, with my analysis of the women's Royal Rumble, but, uh, the match was full of storylines that meshed, that worked, that matched. They called back. They sewed everything back together. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, you know, playing on uh, Cameron and Naomi still continuing friendship. Um, uh, you know, the fact that Sonya Deville eliminated Cameron. Uh, uh, and then... Uh, playing off of that uh there was a little mess up after uh naomi i don't think she was supposed to get eliminated the way she was or or something like that but um then uh she naomi in turn helped eliminate so sonia deville um so 
continuing the storyline and hopefully we keep it going. I'd like to see them fight more. Uh, Sonya Deville, I just kept remarking, you know, that she really gets it. Like she really gets pro wrestling and I really like that she gets pro wrestling. It's almost perfect for her. So um, good for her. And then uh, at some point they're going to have to drop her from the, uh, from the management gimmick and just give her back her full time wrestling. Uh, then of course it got real. Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, uh, the Bellas, Mickey James. Everybody was looking for Mickey James. She eliminated Michelle McCool. Mickey James stuck around for a while. They blasted that she was the Impact Wrestling Women's Champion. Uh, you know, they, they gave her respect. She got a nice uh, ovation from the crowd. Uh, so good for her. Summer Rae, uh, it is what it is. But she threw a couple of nice spinning kicks, so she must have practiced a little bit. And uh, they continued her beef with uh, Natty. Uh, she and Natty both recently got back to beefing together on Twitter. I'm pretty sure this is just being staged by WWE anymore. Um, a, uh, a nice surprise, Sarah Logan came back. For the, for the Royal Rumble match and had a really nice moment with Liv Morgan. Um, of course, the Bellas eliminated them. I um, I would not mind seeing the Bellas fight for the uh, Women's Tag Team Championships if that's what they, in fact, are coming back for. But I also would not mind seeing a Riot Squad reunion. I think that would be great. Uh, Sarah Logan just needs to go back outside and get a little more sun in while she's hunting for game meat. Other than that, it was nice to see her back, and I'm glad that you – know, I hope this might lead to something down the line. Uh, then, of course, the uh, well, there's Lita, who, again, I was looking forward to because I like Lita. But the biggest shock of the night was Ronda Rousey. That's right. Ronda Rousey made her return to WWE again at the ire of many of you in the internet wrestling community. Um, you know what? It wasn't terrible. Guys lighten up. It wasn't that bad. It was actually it was actually okay. And Ronda came back kind of as a baby face. And I think if they don't mess it up, you know, Ronda Rousey will come back and address the WWE universe. Hopefully somebody smart is gonna smarten her up in the back and say, Hey, we know you left. Everybody knows you left on bad terms. Everybody knows you left kind of as a heel. We don't want that for you. Everybody still loves you. You're still a name. You've still got a huge pop. Uh come in, we'll tell you to say this. Ignore what the crowd is saying. Um, just be humbled. Come back and say you've been humbled. You went, you left, you had a baby, you you figured out how to work on your ranch, you were a gamer, you did all a bunch of stuff, you did a, a ton of stuff that you wanted to do, and now you're refocused on becoming the uh, WWE Raw Women's Champion again. And, and just do that. And if she does that, she'll be fine. I also kind of did... Something wanted me to, to see the two-woman uh, power trip of her and Shayna Baszler. I even tweeted that out. I'm like, I want to see the two-woman power trip. I want to see Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler team up and wreak havoc in the women's division. But, you know, I don't think WWE is smart enough to book that. Uh, but, of course, Ronda Rousey won the match. Woo! Um, goodness. And I haven't even gotten any of the other matches. Holy crap. Uh, this is going to be a, long, a little bit of a haul, folks, but... I'm glad you could join me on the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, but now commentary just for today uh, on the world of professional wrestling and the Royal Rumble. Uh, speaking of women's, let's go to the uh, Raw Women's Championship match. This was the blow-off. This was the uh, final match uh, with Becky Lynch and Dewdrop. Um, 
I feel badly for Dewdrop because everything she did, she did very well uh, in this match. She did everything perfectly. Uh, great, um, great baby face moving around the ring. Uh, she's so super athletic and so quick, and there's a reason why she's really good uh, as a professional wrestler. She did everything. She did the. Uh, she sold the. Uh, uh, the. Uh, the hanging over the top rope while Becky came off with the guillotine leg drop. Uh, she sold a lot of Becky's moves that she didn't have to. Wrestled really well, athletic. Um, that third senton splash looked like it hurt a little bit. Don't think it was intentional. I think she just might have been a little too gassed or just didn't plan it the right way. So it was kind of a botch, but it didn't look like Becky was hurt by it at all. So when you can botch and still not really terribly hurt your opponent, you're really good. Um, lost in all of this, I say that because uh, the crowd lost interest after the WrestleMania sign uh uh, exploded after being lit on fire by the pyro and the entire back section was evacuated just as an emergency precaution so when you're watching and you see everybody just looking to their right uh, actually looking to their left uh, that's why uh, it wasn't like they were uninterested in the match but it did kill the momentum so I felt badly for Dewdrop um, um, you know she had some nice power moves and she had Becky on the ropes for a lot of the match um, uh, she even had a really nice babyface comeback uh, uh, with a power slam and her uh, senton, the one that looked like it was a little too close for comfort. Um, this was bad, though. The one that was like, oh, okay, whatever, was uh, the... Uh, Becky is introducing the manhandle slam, which is basically a choke slam now, and she had to get on the uh, second rope to do it, which is okay. Um, poor uh, Dewdrop. She landed more on her bottom and her hip than her back. Uh, hopefully she's okay, but I mean, if they're not careful, uh, she's going to end up with, uh, you know, a dislocated hip. Uh, but anyway, match was, match was good and uh, just got lost in the sauce with the uh, light catching on fire. Um, this was a shocker. This was a shocker. And I know why they put it on now, because they wanted to distance itself. Plus, ultimately, it uh, came to uh, fruition. Oh, man, before I forget, uh, I did mention the Nightmare Pendulum by Alexander Hammerstone. And I know I forgot to talk about it during the Royal Rumble match, but uh, Sonya Deville did use the... Because uh, uh, I think both Pat McAfee and... Uh, Michael Cole, both guys lost for words to describe the uh, the maneuver that Sonya Deville put on her opponent, and she basically did a uh, nightmare pendulum in the ring. So we're stealing uh, moves from MLW now. Anyway, forward to Bobby Lashley. Wow, just a really intense, hard-hitting match. Again, you guys say you want something different. And then you complain about how it goes. Um, the only problem I had with this match was the obvious double ref bump, which I hate. They overplay that, especially in big matches. No one really cares. Like, stop doing it. It's so overused. That's the one criticism I have, really, of this match. Otherwise, I mean, it was just two hosses going at it. Lesnar selling really well for Bobby Lashley. Uh, again, uh, from the guy who apparently hated pro wrestling or hates professional wrestling, made Bobby Lashley look 
huge. I love the beginning of the standoffs and the and the, the trading of the, the blows and the trading of throws and and, and Bobby Lashley's playing like, oh, okay, all right, all right, you did that. You got me in the suplex city for a little bit, but let me get you now. And he got Lesnar with a couple suplexes too. And Lesnar backed up and and, and, and and stood up and he was like, all right, you got me. I like that. That's the part of the psychology of the matches that we are missing today. You know, they did their stuff. They quote unquote got their stuff in, but it didn't look like they got their stuff in. It looked like, okay, this is a little stand, a little trade-off. All right, I see how this is going to go. And uh, it was uh, fun and I'm sure... If Vince McMahon wasn't lamenting the passing of his mother, uh, I'm sure he would definitely have been uh, locked into this match uh, because this is a match that he uh, so uh, uh, he calls for all the time. This is his favorite. This is what he wants. He wants two big hosses fighting for his prize. So he got it. Um they countered each other's moves. Lesnar tried to hit the F5, but uh, uh, he reversed it into the almighty, uh, I'm sorry, the hurt lock. And uh, that was, to see Brock Lesnar trapped in the hurt lock, I mean, it looked like it hurt. And both guys did a great job with it. I was interested to see if Brock would ever, like if he was going to power out of it. That's something that a babyface would do probably in a bigger match. So look forward to that spot happening at WrestleMania. I'm predicting that. Uh, so, uh, to get off that, uh, Lesnar backed Lashley into the corner, but squished the ref. And as the ref was walking out, Lashley, uh, got trapped in the F5 and in swinging him, uh, uh, Lesnar knocked the referee down. So, you know, you do what you got to do. Uh, the big swerve of the evening, the perfectly played, we knew how this was going to go. We knew how this was going to happen. The double swerve of one of the greatest minds ever of professional wrestling. Paul Heyman uh, waited for the ref to be down, so he grabs the belt. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he grabs the belt. Meanwhile, Roman Reigns, from literally out of nowhere, comes flying down the ring, and Superman punches uh, 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 Brock Lesnar after spearing him. Looks at Paul Heyman, then Paul Heyman hands Roman Reigns the WWE Championship, who then he just smashes Lesnar in the face with it, knocks Lesnar out. Then the Almighty gets over for the pin. One, two, three, and new World Wrestling Entertainment Heavyweight Champion Bobby Lashley. The Almighty Bobby Lashley. Uh, good match. Good, it, it, again, Perfect storyline, set up perfectly. You had this feeling of Paul Heyman was going to mess things up. You didn't know where to turn. You didn't know where it was going to go. And that's where it went. So that was good stuff uh, from that. And, of course, you're going to get now, you're going to get Lesnar chasing WrestleMania. You're going to get Lesnar and uh, Reigns after each other. It's going to be fun. You might even see a triple threat for the WWE Championship. Um, like I said, the cooler match was the grit, uh, 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 the grit couple versus the it couple. Um, this was your cooler and it was still a very good match. I mean, Miz and, and, and Edge, what are you going to say? Two consummate professionals who knew what they were doing, had the great amount of psychology in the ring. Uh, Beth Phoenix comes out, uh, shouting out, uh, Luna Vachon with the, uh, makeup, uh, and then she showed a picture of her on her Instagram doing the same thing with the makeup and the hairdo. 
Um, you know, they, they, she looked like she was going to murder Maurice and Maurice just is the perfect heel. She just knows just so smart to you know where, where she needs to be, what she needs to do. Um, Beth Phoenix giving Miz the power bomb, hilarious, fantastic stuff. Just a great match all around. Uh, Maurice playing it off, uh, then coming in when she needed to, um, more of the distraction, but then when they wrestled. Now, when the two of them wrestled, I get it. Like, Maurice hasn't been in the ring for a while, and uh, Beth Phoenix can still go. So it did look a little bumpy in the middle. It was a little sloppy in the middle. But the end kind of picked up again with uh, Beth Phoenix looking for uh, a murder charge, uh, getting Miz, and then Miz, like, challenging her. Uh, so Miz gets sent off into the corner uh, where... Uh, Edge is waiting for him, and she goes into the corner. Beth Phoenix does, picks him up, and then power bombs him into the middle of the ring. So uh, good for her, good for them. Uh, it was a fun match. I think, again, they did this to give everybody a breath for the Royal Rumble, and overall it was a lot of fun. In the end, the grit couple, Edge and Beth Phoenix, win with... Not, I, they say stereo grants, uh, uh, glam slams. It was just a double glam slam. Uh, Edge left before uh, Beth Phoenix did. They tried to do it at the same time to make it stereo, but it didn't work. But they both got the pin and they won. So another satisfying match that kind of set you up, gave you a little breather for the Men's Royal Rumble, and which in hindsight, it didn't need to give you a breather because the Men's Royal Rumble was trash. And you already knew that Brock Lesnar was going to come back anyway. That's why they spaced out the matches in between. They might as well have done this, the the, the Lesnar and uh, Bobby Lashley match first. But I guess you gave Brock enough of a breather. And again, those of you who are upset that Brock Lesnar, yeah, is it aggravating that Brock Lesnar got that Shine back, got to be in the bat and match back. Yeah, it's a little upsetting. But the the mileage is wearing on Brock. There isn't much more you can do with him. Brock is getting up there in age. Uh, and you've got a multi-year contract with him. You got you're paying him a lot of money. You're not gonna get him past WrestleMania. As past WrestleMania comes, then it's gonna be uh, farming season. Brock's going to be getting out there. He's going to get after it in, in the fields. He's got to till that corn and, and he's got to, uh, you know, put it under. He's got to sow the seeds. He's got to bale the hay and he's got to milk the cows. He's not going to be there past WrestleMania, so don't worry about it. This is, wrestling is just something for him to do during the cold season when, when the farm is right after hunting season and right before farming season. So uh, chill out with that. I, I, I get it. But you, I'm, I'm assuming after uh, the next year or two, we won't probably won't see Brock Lesnar in a wrestling ring anymore, or at least much anymore. Um, the rain, uh, the uh, it started out great for all you New Japan nerds out there. Uh, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura were the first two. They made the comment about AJ Styles outlasting people and making his debut in uh, the Royal Rumble. Uh, wow, was it six years ago? Holy cow. Um, and then Shinsuke Nakamura came in with Boobs, um, who was just kind of ringside, uh, I think. Um, or no, Rick, Rick, I'm sorry, Rick Boogs came in by himself. Uh, Shin came down by himself. Uh, then you saw Vince's favorite, Austin Theory. Uh, the Dirty Dog, uh, Bob Rude. Uh, yeah, we'll just go through. Rich Holland Montez Ford, Jamie Priest, Sami Zayn. Um, underrated, hardworking dude. Just 
It's a, I really think he's underrated, underutilized, and uh, I think they're making a wise decision trying to find a way to keep Sami Zayn relevant. And if he snuck into the title picture and won the Universal Championship, I would not be uh, unhappy. Angelo Dawkins is another guy that uh, once the Street Profits kind of go their separate ways, Angelo Dawkins can be a pretty big star uh, if they wanted him to. Uh, yeah, they had Almost. Okay, Almost was in there. Uh, Ricochet did a nice uh, uh, tiger faint kick in the middle of the ring. Um, Ricochet, uh, you know, does what he does. Um, Happy Corbin, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, by the way, Johnny Knoxville entered right after Sami Zayn, and just like in the women's match with um, Sonya Deville and then Naomi coming in, Cameron first and then Naomi with that storyline, uh, they continued the storyline with Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville, uh, who came out with a superhero outfit on and got uh, summarily dumped uh, a minute and a half after entering uh, by Sami Zayn. Uh... And Sammy stuck around, by the way, so that's a good thing. Uh, Dominic Mysterio was in there. Um, Happy Corbin came in, uh, eliminated Boogs, eliminated Dominic Mysterio and Ricochet, but then Drew McIntyre made his return, which was weird because I thought this neck thing was going to keep him out for a while. I thought he was going to have surgery. Apparently not. Uh, came out and uh, Drew McIntyre... Uh, at least cleared the ring with Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss, thankfully enough. I will reiterate that Madcap Moss and Drew McIntyre did have a pretty good match in the last pay-per-view. Uh, so props to them. Props to Madcap Morris for not just being a stiff who's finding a way to stay in WWE. Actually had a pretty good match. Uh, love me some Kevin Owens came in. The biggest disappointment of the night was Kofi Kingston getting eliminated, botching himself while trying to jump across and do the Kofi comeback uh, spot that we're all used to. Um, this time he didn't make it. This time his feet dragged on the ground as he jumped out. So they had to call it on the fly, but he was eliminated. He knew it, too. He was so upset. Uh, he knew it, too. Um, another surprise, Bad Bunny came in. Performed the uh, Puerto Rican Destroyer on Matt Riddle. That was fun. Uh, another big disappointment, Randy Orton came in last, and you're thinking, okay, all right, hometown guy in the finals. We know this. Randy Orton is going to deliver because he's at the end of the Royal Rumble. And he ends up getting put out by Brock Lesnar. The crowd audibly booed, not just because it's from St. Louis, but the fact that I think it was stupid to eliminate Randy Orton that early. He was barely in. Um, so... I don't understand it. Uh, should have kept him in at least for a couple uh, more minutes. Another disappointment was Big E. Big E wasn't in there very long as well. Uh, he got tossed within about a minute and a half uh, or so. Uh, got run out by uh, Orton and Riddle, RK Bro. Uh, Shane McMahon randomly showed up. I don't know why. Uh, it's uh, let's, let's just close it by saying that Brock Lesnar uh, just launched everybody else. And there was a nice callback, though, to last year when uh, Drew McIntyre eliminated Brock. And this was, the, by the way, the last, I believe this was the last uh, pay-per-view before COVID and all that stuff. But uh, COVID shut everything down. But um, Drew eliminated Brock with the kick. And uh, 
that was uh, that was the throwback. Uh, now Brock was the one who eliminated Drew last and won the Royal Rumble. So a lot of problems with a lot of the spots, a lot of problems with why bring this guy in or why have him do this. Uh, frustration with Big E uh, as far as how he was eliminated. Frustration with uh, what they're doing. With, they're not doing anything with Ricochet. Um, a lot of the guys, why, why are you there? It doesn't make sense. Um, disappointing in some of who got eliminated and when. I mean, yeah, it was disappointing when Molina was eliminated second or first uh, by Sasha Banks, but it's not like we expected Molina to go on this major tear leading up to WrestleMania and be in the main event of WrestleMania uh, or so, or the double main event or co-main event or whatever. Um, that was not realistic. But uh, a lot of the people involved in the men's just – I don't, I don't get why they were there. Um, no forbidden door. No surprises. Uh, I know you guys were all looking forward to um, uh, John Moxley and uh, who else were you guys uh, throwing out there as possible mystery uh, representatives in the Men's Royal Rumble? Um, yeah, not one person who wasn't employed with the company presently was there. The only... Um, Surprise was Drew McIntyre coming back from injury earlier than I thought. So, um, very, 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 very boring uh, kind of paint-by-numbers Royal Rumble. But what did you expect? If you didn't want Brock to be there and you're upset that Brock won, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, Vince McMahon is in the process of making money. And he's going to do it whether uh, you agree with his tactics or not. So um, I'm going to say everything else but the men's Royal Rumble match was very good. I'm going to give it like a solid uh, B, maybe a B minus. It wasn't the great, but it's a, it's a hard, fast start for WWE, something solid to lead into WrestleMania. And now they know where to go for WrestleMania. All of the stories matched. All of the angles came together. All the things that they did make sense. So overall, it was a good Royal Rumble. It wasn't, it wasn't great for the men's match per se, and the women's match was way better. But the other uh, things they did as far as continuity, as far as making things make sense and everything came together, this pay-per-view was a solid B. And I know people are upset with that, but it is, it is what it is. Now, uh, Vince got what he wanted. Vince got... His two big men to fight each other at the end. So that's all he ever wants out of his professional wrestling um, shows. Especially one of the quote-unquote big four, right? He got his two hosses to fight for the WWE belt. And uh, this is probably going to continue into WrestleMania anyway. So this stuff books itself. You're going to see Brock Lesnar fighting uh, Bobby Lashley for uh, for uh, Lashley Lesnar 2. Uh, this time... You're going to see probably Brock win it at WrestleMania. And it's fine. It's fine because the prediction, again, is like this very comfortable and for some reason not correctly fitting uh, sweater right now. Um, it's roomy and comfy, but it's just off kilter for some reason. I don't know. But that's what it is. And to get to my point anyway, um, the last thing I wanted to say, there was something that, was, that did come at the last minute uh, that uh, I did mention earlier in the show. But I uh, just want to say a quick offering of condolences 
to uh, the passing of, of Vince McMahon's mother. She was 101. And uh, however you feel about Vince McMahon, uh, despite your feelings and emotions, and, um, you know, I'm sure uh, you're uh, probably, you know, there's probably a, like a 75, 80 uh, percent uh, chance that uh, Vince was still there. I mean, because if, if if Shane was there, if Stephanie was there, somebody must have been there. Um, and uh, the, the 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 fact that who knows if Vince was there, and I'm sure he was probably at home, but his mother um, passed away. Uh, Vicky, she lived to be 101, which is an indication that Vince is going to be around for a long time too. He is in his mid 70s, like 75. He just turned 75. Um, she's been around for a long time, and she. Uh, from all reports, she still remained uh, with her uh, faculties. So, uh, you know, she just died of old age. And it's never fun to have a family member pass away. I know my own grandmother is going to be turning uh, 100 uh, very soon. And, uh, you know, she still start, she's starting to fail a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but she's still kind of there. And I'm going to be visiting her hopefully very soon. She's the one that got me hooked into professional wrestling. Um, and I know that it's a stressor when an elderly family member uh, uh, is uh, in ill health or dies. And even the great Vince McMahon uh, has this tragedy happen to him in his life. So just closing thoughts and my uh, thoughts, prayers, and my heart goes out to Vince McMahon. And his family uh, at the passing of his mother, uh, the the woman who uh, was so influential. Uh, basically, Vince McMahon is the man he is because of the home life that he had and how uh, dedicated both to his mom that he was, but also, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, let's be real, if his parents hadn't uh, broken up and she had not taken him to uh, North Carolina uh, to be raised by a... Uh, an abusive father-in-law, he may not have uh, come out the way that he he was um, in his whole life, his whole personality, his whole persona, his whole business acumen, everything he knows and does, you know, you can psychologically link it back to uh, being angry at his uh, father-in-law and uh, wanting to uh, appease and please and get noticed by his, uh, his father. So, um, shouldn't really hold that against her. I don't know why I went on that rant, went on that tangent, but uh, anyway, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to the McMahon family for the passing of the matriarch, uh, Vicki McMahon. So, God bless. And that will take us right up to the end of it. Wow, I went way long. This is probably the longest I've ever gone on the Heal and Face podcast, and this is crazy. Um, so, I, I don't know... Um, uh, thank you for joining me if you guys stuck out with uh, me this long. Um, and I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate er everything you uh, you do as far as sharing and liking the show and following along. Again, uh, you can follow me on all of my social media. Uh, just go ahead and type, uh, wherever you want to go, just type Heal and Face Podcast on all social media. And you're, uh, listen to the audio version of this podcast on your favorite audio podcast streaming platform so that's it for me 
the big old Stevie C. Thank you for joining me on this very long edition of the Heel and Face podcast. But I had fun. I had fun. I enjoyed talking to you about wrestling because uh, wrestling is fun. And I love sharing my thoughts with you. Please make sure that you like and comment and subscribe below. Please let me know what you think about any of the things that I reviewed, whether it was GCW, whether it was uh, MLW or uh, uh, NWA or uh, the WWE Royal Rumble. Thanks for joining me on the Heel and Face podcast. Brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And have a great week, you guys. And let's have some fun watching more wrestling. Hopefully no dumb news uh, coming up. See you soon. Take care. And as always, peace. Peace.